midst of a series where we're we're seeking to understand how to pray. And, and all of that is within the, this whole theme of the year, which is the kingdom of God. We, we are seeking to understand what, what it is and what it means for us to be citizens of the kingdom of God. When Jesus came, he brought with him this, this new reality and this new life, and it is life in the kingdom of God. The, the kingdom of God is the governing authority of Jesus over powers, people, and places for God's praise according to the scriptures. And because Christ has come, the kingdom of God has come. And for those of us who've repented and believed, the kingdom of God is now in us and now is growing. It's growing in us and now through us. And, and as, king, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we have a responsibility to this king and to this kingdom. And a part of the joy of being a citizen of the kingdom of God is we have access we have access to God through prayer. One of the things that Jesus did in his earthly ministry was, was to teach his disciples, his people, how to pray. And he did that with something called the Lord's Prayer. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. And what this prayer is, is not just something we're to memorize as, as art, although it is absolutely stunningly beautiful. What this is, is, is actually a method and a structure for how we are to think about God, think about prayer, and then actually to pray. And so what we're learning to do, what we're using it to do, is to learn the prayer of the kingdom of God. And today what we're going to learn is, is how it is we need to pray for the holy kingdom of God, for what God wants to do. God wants to, and, and, and it is his desire, and he is doing this, he is advancing his kingdom. He's advancing his kingdom in the lives of those of us who believe, and he's advancing his kingdom through our lives into the world. And it's not by our power. I want to make sure you understand that. This is very important, and it's, it, it's, not, it's not complicated, but, but it's, 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 it is different than what, the, what you would hear in a secular world. You, you, you need to understand that, that God's power, that's the power that's at work. And what we're doing is we're joining in that power. You and I, we don't have the power to change a life. We don't have the power to change a heart, the affections, the will. That, that's the power of God. But what we can do is we can be a part of what God is doing, the work he is doing, and, and that is his will. God's will is to take weaker creatures like us and to bring victory through his power to the praise of his name. Let's never forget what we are, what the Bible says we are. It says this in, in Psalm chapter eight, beginning in verse four. What is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? And what is humanity? What are human beings? It says that, that you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. So there are angelic hosts. There are powerful angelic beings that, that are way more powerful than us. But we are unique in that we've been made in the image of God. We have been crowned with his glory and honor. Verse 6 says, you have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. Remember, never forget this. This is so important. There are three kingdoms at work in, in, in reality. There's the kingdom of God or what Matthew calls the kingdom of heaven. And under this, Christ is reigning. Then there is the kingdom of humanity. We've been given dominion over creation. We are volitional creatures. We are creatures with the capacity to choose. And our choices have, have had impact on all of creation, our lives, and the lives of other people. And so, although we are weak, we have great power. Our, our, our choices matter. 
And, and what has happened is that the kingdom of darkness has come. Those angelic beings led by Satan, they warred against God in heaven. And they were defeated and they were cast down into creation. And so now there is at work in creation that the kingdom of darkness. Now we have fallen into sin as a race of people, human beings. We have, we have been deceived. We by nature now turn against God. And we are naturally, although we have our own kingdom, we have submitted our kingdom, the kingdom of humanity, to the kingdom of darkness. But... God in his glorious grace entered into this darkness. Holy, holy, holy God became one of us. He has brought his light and his kingdom in the world. So now that all who repent and believe the gospel trust in Jesus Christ, we are made members of the kingdom of heaven. And so we have this life. We have this opportunity. Even though we are weak creatures, we get to join God in advancing his kingdom. And a part of that is to, is to pray for his holy kingdom and trust what he's doing. Here's what God's doing. This is described in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 28. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Here's what we need to know about ourselves. We are weak creatures, but we have great responsibility and an influence. And we can't change the world. We can't even change ourselves, but God can. And what he is determined to do is to take weak creatures like us and to work in us to bring his kingdom into our lives through the King, Jesus Christ, so that then his work is being done in us and through us to the praise of his great name. You know, in the sports world, we, we see weaker teams sometimes win. For instance, I don't know if you noticed, but Alabama did beat Georgia once in the SEC championship game. But I believe Monday night, Georgia made it clear that they were indeed the better team, the stronger team. When, when the weaker team is able to win, it's because something from outside, something unique has happened, which enables them to accomplish way more than they could have typically when all things are considered equal. And so it is with the children of God. Those of us who are citizens of the kingdom of God, there is something that has happened outside of us that is now motivating us, that is moving us. And it is the power of Christ, Christ alive in us through the spirit of God. And so now we have something powerful at work in us. And here's what it is, friends. Here's, here's my hope, and I hope that it is your hope, and I hope that you, that you experience it and hold to it and proclaim it as often as you can. Jesus saves. And if you're saved, he saved you. And, and he, I don't know if you feel this way, but here's how I feel about it. If, if God can save me, he can save anybody. God saved me, and he saved a bunch of you. And every one of you that are saved, it is a miracle of God. And you need to remember this about yourself. You have three parts to your story. Your story has three parts. If you're not a Christian, you only have one part. You only have a one-part story. Uh, those of us who have repented and believe we have a three-part story. The first part of our story is life before Christ. Before Jesus saved us, there was just life in darkness, doing whatever we wanted, living in sin, living in darkness, facing the consequences. Some we knew, some we did, some we did not know. But for those of us who were citizens of the kingdom of God, there was a day when we came to know Jesus. 
And that's a big part of our story. It may have been a moment, it may have been a season, but now that we've come to know Jesus, we have life under Jesus. And friends, here's our confidence. Here's here's how it is we who are weak creatures are able to join God in this mighty work with great hope is that we know that if God could save us, he can save anybody. And because the power of God and the will of God is to save, we can join him in what he's doing. And this is our hope. We are able to accomplish our mission to impact our homes, neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. We have confidence. We know that Jesus can bring victory. Jesus can bring, bring transformation. That his will is that the kingdom of God advance in us and through us. And that's what our text shows us today. Our text, it's it's verse 10 of chapter 6. It helps us to to pray and to pursue God's purpose for his kingdom. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go now to Matthew chapter 6. And and we're actually going to have have Avery read verses 9 through 13. She's going to read the whole prayer, but know that verse 10 is our focus verse. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. And and Avery, if you would read the Lord's prayer. This is the the prayer of the kingdom of God, beginning in verse 9. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The grass withers and the flower fall, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. Be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. Well done, Avery. Thank you. Please understand when we pray for God's kingdom to come, for his will to be done, for things to be done on earth as they are now being done in heaven, we are praying that this happen in us and through us in the world. This is God's will. This is God's way. We are praying, we are asking God as citizens of the kingdom of, of God for his work, his kingdom to come in us and then be at work through us. And, and so we, we're praying and we're pursuing three Very important, powerful things that I want to encourage you to take note of that our scripture reveals today. And the first one is this, transformation. Citizens of the kingdom of God are to pray for and pursue transformation in ourselves and the world. Let's let's think about this for just a moment. The, the, The kingdom of God is to be at work in us. And so when we pray, your kingdom come, For those of us who've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, his kingdom has already come, but it is now growing. And God's kingdom has come into the world in Christ Jesus, and now that kingdom is growing through the world. We need to understand that there's an already and not yet, and there is a promise that's at play. We need to think about our lives, and we need to understand what God is doing. It's very similar to what he was doing with the the Israelites in the Old Testament, with Joshua in particular. If you remember, Moses led the people up to the cusp of the promised land, but then they were able to enter into that land. And and God told Joshua, okay, the land is yours, but you've got to conquer it. Isn't that interesting? Think about that. The land is yours. It's all yours. You got it. Now you've got to take hold of it for the glory of God. You've got to vanquish the evil. You've got to remove the influence of darkness. Joshua chapter one, verse six says this. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Look at that. The land was already theirs. They have already received the promise of God, but there was still work to do. 
They were still to go and to remove the darkness that was at work that was there in the land. It was already theirs, but there was more work to be done. And so it is in us in Christ. We've already received the kingdom of God. We've already been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. We are saved. We are in Christ. But there's work to be done because there's still sin that's at work in our flesh. There's still darkness. There's still temptation to overcome. There's still issues where we've got to bring them under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And so we must confess and live in the grace of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. We should be praying more often the, the, the heartfelt prayer and, and, and the thinking, using the thinking of the Apostle Paul we find in Romans chapter 7 and, and chapter 8. Romans 7, beginning in verse 24, says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Here's what Paul understood. He understood that even though he was saved, he was still in the flesh, and that his flesh was still, was still faithful and loyal to the darkness of this world. And so there was still a battle and he was still fighting that battle. There were still challenges. And so he says, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who's going to keep me from these habitual sins? What's going to keep me from continuing to, to say those words and to treat people like that and to have these terrible thoughts and to, and to act like that on this impulse? Who is going to help me? He says in verse 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be, full, might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. In Christ... Christ alive in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to overcome the evil and the darkness, the sin that is still at work in our flesh, and we're called to do it. It is the will of God that we do it. Your kingdom come is what we pray. What we're saying is, God, be sovereign over my thoughts. Be sovereign over my actions. Be sovereign over all that I am. And I know, we all know, if we're honest, we've got thoughts and we've got temptations and we've got habitual sins. We've got things that are constantly warring against us. And what we must do is trust in Christ and we have work to do. It says in Philippians chapter two, beginning in verse 12, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. I, this, this word, work out your salvation, this, this word, work out, it's, it's a single word. It's the Greek word, katergazomai. And, and, and that word comes from two Greek words. First word is kata. And, and that, that word, it, it means down, down upon, down through. So think about what, what, the, what the scripture is saying. This salvation that's a gift of God, we've got to work it down in us and then down into who we are and then through our members, through our flesh, through our lives. We, we are to work it out. And then those, the word there is ergodzomai. I mean, to work. It's not I'm to, to just wait. Okay, Jesus, take the wheel. You got it. No, it's 
Jesus, take the wheel because my hands are on the wheel and you are in me. And, and I need you to guide me and to work through me because my choices matter. The way I think, the way I feel, and what I choose to do is going to impact my life and the life of other people. And God, I need you to work. I need you to work in me and I need to work. I need to work out the salvation that I already have that's already been given to me. I've now got to work it out to fight off all the sin and the darkness and the depravity that's still at work in my flesh. And that is the, that is the work of God. This is the work of the kingdom of God. And, and you know, I, the best way I can explain it, and I love the word here that is used, work out. Work out yourself. I've been working out since I'm 14. I still work out today, and I know it doesn't look like it, but don't judge me. Work out. I do it every day. I get up early. I either run or I'm in weights, except on the Lord's Day, and this is a workout right now, believe it or not. And so every day I'm working out, and I can control. I can control what I put in my body, and I can control what I do with my body. You know what I can't control? It's a mystery to me. Is how quickly the muscle fibers do or don't heal themselves to get stronger. How, how the, the chemicals within my body function and operate to take what I put into it to work it out for my health and for my strengthening. So it is with God. We are to work out. We are to work out our salvation. We are to, to pursue God. And what we'll find is that God is working in us and through us. So we must pray for and pursue this transformation. And I, good news, bad news. It's hard, but it's worth it. This is hard work. You know, I saw this picture on, on, on the internet the other day. I thought, boy, is this it? You know, here's my plan. Here's your plan, probably. Straight, flat road, upward, slight, upward kind of tilt to the goal. Nice, flat, nice, easy. What's God's plan? Well, there's rocks, there's holes, there's, there's storms, there's, there's all kinds of, of, of difficulties that are ahead. And friends, this is a part of God's plan. So if this is God's plan, and I believe it is, we should anticipate three things. Three things I want to encourage you. If you're serious about saying and praying, your kingdom come, pursuing and praying God's kingdom to come in you and through you, you need to... You need to anticipate trials that make, that make our faith steadfast. Anticipate trials. It says in James chapter two, I'm sorry, James chapter one, verse two. And <laughs> this is crazy. Count it all joy, my brothers. <laughs> That's hard. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Here's why you can. Here's why we can count it all joy. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Friends, trials are how we learn to trust God. Every trial you face is the workout for you to learn to trust God. Not only trials, but sufferings. Suffering that makes us obedient. Hebrews chapter five, verse eight says, although he, Jesus, was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. Suffering is the best teacher. C.S. Lewis said suffering is, the mag is a, magnif a, magnif a megaphone that shouts to us. It awakens us to the necessity of trusting and believing God, leading to obedience, and then sacrifices. Sacrifices that make us worship. Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. 
we are to give our lives and, and say, God, as you see fit, as you see fit, it's hard. That's hard to do. Now, th this doesn't mean that we're not to ask for God to remove things. It's not that, that we're just to say, all right, Lord, make, it, make my life as miserable as possible. Then I'll know God. No, no, no. Remember what Jesus prayed hours before he was going to die for our sin? He said, Father, take this cup from me, but not what I want, but you want. That's, that's got to be our heart. God, I don't want to suffer, but if that's what you want, that's what I want. Or like the Apostle Paul with that thorn in his side. He said that he prayed three times, Lord, take it away. And the response of God was, I'm not going to remove it. You are going to have to deal with it. But, but know that Jesus said to him, your, your strength, I'm sorry, your, your, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so I'm going to let this thorn do its work because it's going to teach you to yield to me. And, and that's hard to pray for. That's hard to pursue. Not only for yourself, I'm going to tell you, you know, what that, you know what the hardest thing for me to do? This is a confession. It's hard for me to pray that for my children. I, I don't want to think I'm a helicopter parent, but I think I might be. I don't want my kids to have to go through trials. I don't want them to have to suffer. I don't want them to have to make terrible, difficult sacrifices. But here's what I know. If they're going to be Christians, if they're going to be citizens of the kingdom of God, and if I'm going to pray for God's kingdom to come in their life, guess what? They're going to have to face trials. They're going to have to suffer. And they're going to have to sacrifice their lives for the glory of God. This is hard to pray, but this is God's way. And as citizens of the kingdom of God, we are to pray for and pursue this transformation in ourselves. It's a work of God, but we have a responsibility in it. The second thing is this, it's God's will. Citizens of the kingdom of God are to pray for and pursue God's will in ourselves and the world. We are to pray, your kingdom come, but we're also to pray, your will be done. And please understand, God's will is not a secret. It's mysterious, it's challenging, but it's not something that God is keeping from you. It helped me some time ago to understand there's two aspects of God's will, and one opens the key to the other. There's God's general will, and God's general will is in what he desires for all people for all time. But then there's God's specific will. There's, there is God's specific will for Jason Pettis, there's something specific that he has just for me, a plan just for me. And here's what I've come to realize according to the scriptures is that until we are walking in obedience to God's general will, we can never fulfill God's specific will for our life. We must first walk in obedience to God's general will and then, and then God's specific will will, will be revealed to us. Friends, we're like a cell phone. Cell phones are funny things. They're, they're wonderful technology, but you know, they don't work if they're not on. Have you ever noticed that? Great technology, but if, there's, if they're not on, if they're not powered, they, they can't do anything for you. Second thing, there has to be a signal. They have to be able to be with, within the confines of a signal. Uh, otherwise, it's just a, 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 a neat computer, but you can't get the, the access to the information that you need. And the th third thing, and here's the crazy thing, you actually have to use it the way it was made to be used. 
You know, I know people that use phones as paperweights and, and doorstops and weapons to throw at other people. That's not appropriate. No, no, no. We, in order to get the full effect out of, out of any phone, it's got to be on. It's got to have a signal. And, and, and it's got to be used according to the way it was made. And so it is with us. Three things, friends. Remember this. To, to pray and to pursue God's will, we must be born again. We must be turned on. We must be made alive. Now, some of you in this room, you're not Christians. And you need to be praying that you would be made alive in Christ Jesus. I'm reading Pilgrim's Progress. The last few years, I've started the year by reading uh, Pilgrim's Progress, part one and two, and Holy War by John Bunyan. And one of the parts I just finished in Pilgrim's Progress, one of the, one of the, one of the people in the, in the story, his name is Hopeful. And there's a point in the story where he's walking with Christian and Christian says, well, tell me your story. Tell me how you came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, well, it, it took a while. He said, I knew the information about the Savior, but he said, I, I knew that I had not yet been awakened. I wasn't born again. He said, it took a long time for me to pray over and over, God, awaken me. God, please give me new life. Some of you in this room right now, you, you, if you're not saved, you, need to, you don't need to worry about your circumstances. You don't need to worry about praying for anything else. You need to only pray, only pray that you can be born again that you would be made alive in Christ Jesus. That is a supernatural work from outside. And if you know someone who's not a Christian, I'm not saying that the scripture says not to pray for other things because the scripture certainly says that we should, we should pray for those who are in darkness. But the most important thing that you can pray for them is that they would be turned on, is that they would be made alive. In order for us to pursue and, and, and to, to pray for God's will, we must also be living in the spirit. We have to have the signal we have to have the Spirit of God in us, and we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are not to grieve the Holy Spirit. We are to walk in the Spirit, and that enables us to, to pray and pursue God's will. And lastly, we've got to live correctly according to the Scriptures. We don't do what we feel like doing. We do what God says to do, what our Maker made us to do. And that's God's general. This is God's will. And until we're walking in that, we're, we're, we're never going to be right. We're never going to be in God's perfect will. The big question is, is this. How can you know that you are alive and walking in God's will? Here's a litmus test that I use for me. Now, there's other litmus tests out there. There's other scriptures out there. Let me tell you what I do. This is what Jason Pettis does. This is when I have doubts, and we all have doubts, when I'm struggling, when I need to know that I'm in God's will, that I'm, I'm doing exactly. Here's the three things I look for. First, you know, when, when you're in God's will, you are growing in Christ-likeness with truth and love. I ask myself, am I growing in truth and love? It says in Ephesians 4.15, Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. We are to become more and more like Jesus, filled with truth and love. Second, you're to be dependent upon the arm of God in prayer. Dependent upon the armor of God. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand firm, 
Stand, therefore, having fastened on the, the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Someone once told me that if you can live your life without prayer and dependence upon the provision of God and his armor, you're not in God's will. If you can live a life without prayer and, and without putting on the armor of God every day and going to battle every day, you're not in the will of God. You may be a Christian, but you have, you, have, you have abandoned the path. You are not pursuing his will. You're pursuing your will. The, the third thing I, I look to is, is, is that you're always for Jesus living a life of worship. Always for Jesus. There are, there are many ministers, and this scares me, many ministers and many pastors who have, who have lost their faith, but they're still in their pulpit. They, they are not walking with God, but they're leading people to sing praises to God on stages. They're counseling and they're doing works of ministry, but they are far from God. There are some who claim to be Christians, who claim it only. They're not really for Jesus, they're for themselves. You know, after, after God talked to Joshua about this great mission of taking the land, Jesus showed up. This is a, a, an amazing thing. In Joshua chapter five, we see a theophany. A theophany is the appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ. Before Jesus was born to the virgin, before Jesus took on flesh, he actually showed up in the Old Testament. And one of those occurrences happened in Joshua chapter five, beginning in verse 13. It says, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked and behold, a man was standing before him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said, are you for us or our adversaries? So Joshua, he's got his mind on his work. I got to go take over the city. And, he, and, and Jesus shows up and he says, are you for us or them? And Jesus says, no, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. And that's who Jesus is. And now I have come. And Jesus fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said, what does my Lord say to his servant? And look what Jesus said. He didn't give him orders for how to accomplish the, the plan for the day. He didn't give battle. Look what he said to do. He said, take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you're standing is holy. And Joshua did so. You know what the most important thing Jesus said that this day is? It's not that you take over Jericho. It's not that you accomplish a bunch of tasks. It's that you worship the Lord. It's that you be for the Lord, that you love the Lord more than you love anything else. I cannot tell you how many times over the years I have seen people have spiritual or emotional experiences. People go through phases when they knew they needed to honor God. Maybe they showed up for Christmas or Easter, or maybe while their children, when they, their children came of the uh, age of accountability, they knew, oh, we need to get their, our children in church and maybe some who've gone through crisis. I've seen so many people, when they're going through crisis, when they're in the middle of this painful circumstances, they're the first ones to church, they're singing praise, they're praying for God's will. But once Christmas is over, once Easter has passed, once the children are raised, 
Once the emotional and, 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 and heightened spiritual sense is gone, and, and, and once the crisis is passed, they're done with Jesus. See, they didn't love Jesus. They loved themselves. They weren't for Jesus. They were for their comfort. They were for their kingdom. They were for their tasks. They were for their feelings. They were for feeling important on a stage, feeling important in a role, feeling like they mattered, feeling like they were important. It wasn't about Jesus. It wasn't about his kingdom come or his will be done. It was about how they looked, how they felt, how they were experiencing life. Please know, those who are not growing in Christ-likeness with truth and love and dependent upon the armor of God in prayer and always for Jesus, living a life of worship, they're not in God's will. And if that litmus test can't pass the muster for your own life, you're not in God's will. And you need to be in God's will because God's will is where the true blessing is found. And that's why Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. And then we experience the last thing, third thing quickly, harmony. Harmony. Citizens of the kingdom of God are to pray for and pursue harmony in ourselves and the world. Look at the last part of verse 10. Look what it says that we are to pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Look at this. On earth as it is in heaven. Let me tell you what's happening in heaven right now. And, and you can go back and please do write this down. Revelation 4. Go back and just read the entire chapter of Revelation 4. That's what's happening in heaven right now. Jesus is on his throne. And the angels and the saints are all around worshiping him, praising him, glorifying him. And there's perfect harmony because Christ is being exalted and everyone is in their created order, bringing him praise. And everyone is happy. There is harmony. Now, when God created the world, there's a phrase that is repeated over and over in Genesis chapter one. And the phrase is this, and God saw that it was good. There was harmony. Everyone was in their proper role. God was in his place of authority. Human beings were under the authority of God, living in obedience to his will and his way, working out the life that they had been given them. Now, we need to understand that one day, Christ is going to return. Uh, go and read this. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verses 1 through 9. Isaiah chapter 11. That is the coming kingdom. It's, it's also described in the same way in Revelation 22. You're probably more familiar with Revelation 22. So go back and read Isaiah chapter 11. That's what's coming. Right now on this world, in this world, here's what God said. Pray that what's happening on, in heaven will happen on earth. Pray that there will be harmony that will come. And there's one way that that happens. It's through a blessed, blessed gift. And that is love. Love. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? What did he say? He said, love. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. When we love God and love people, we experience what we were created for. 
God made us for himself. And when we have peace with God, we have peace within. And when we have peace within, we can have peace with others. We are made to love. We are born again to love. And for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven is for us to spread and to experience that love. One of the ways we're doing that right now is in caring for our city. Yesterday, we had groups go out into our city. We went back to those areas where we had provided tornadic relief, and it was beautiful. People, we went, to, we went to almost 100 homes with just a very small group of people. And here was our question. How are you? What do you need? How can we help you? And we found a list of things that we can easily do. There are things that we as a church are going to need to do and go in and help people with some cleanup. But more than that, with prayer. We, 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 there were reports of people saying, could you please pray for this? Can you please pray? And, and, and were so open to encouragement, to the truth that God had not abandoned them. Friends, we have people in our city that they don't want to keep, they don't, some of them don't want to keep living. Some of them are ready, they just want to check out. They want to get out of their, their marriage. They want to get out of their mind. And so they numb themselves every day and they're miserable and they think no one cares and they think I don't matter. Friends, we've got to go to our neighbors and knock on their doors and say, hey, we're living hope. You matter. You matter to God. You matter to us. What do you need? We're here. If all you need is prayer, we'll pray. If you need a conversation, we'll talk. If you need us to clean stuff up, we're here to help. Whatever we can do, we're going to do. But you need to know that you matter to God because God loves you and you matter to us. And even if we don't really know each other, what we have learned is that, is that love is God's way of harmony. And friends, we can bring that to bear in the world. You can do it in your neighborhood. You need to be doing it in your homes. We as citizens of the kingdom of God are to experience harmony, peace, peace because we've been forgiven so we can forgive others, peace because, and love because we've been loved so that we can now love others. And we got to do it in tangible ways, in the ways we speak and, and the actions that we do and the attitudes that we possess. Love, love brings harmony. That is God's will on earth as it is in heaven. But here's what I know. If Christ is not alive in you, then you have no hope. If you're not walking under the authority of Jesus happily, there is no way you're in God's will. And without that, there's no way to experience life and transformation. And so as as we finish today, it's, it's a quite an abrupt finish. Not, no music, no, no, you know, kind of stuff. Just you and God right there. If you don't mind, let's bow our heads together. Let's close our eyes. You and God right there. Friend, are you saved? Have you been born again? Have you been forgiven of all your sin? And are you pursuing God's will on earth as it is in heaven? and having his kingdom come and grow in you? If not, right now, ask God to give you new life. Maybe you don't desire it. Maybe you don't even want it. Ask God to give you the want. And if you do want it right now, ask God to forgive you and to enter your life and to lead you all the days of your life. 
Now, some of you, you are citizens of the kingdom of God and you know it, but are you good citizens? Are you willing to go through trials and suffering and make sacrifice to be transformed? Do you know that you know that you're walking in the will of God? Are you experiencing harmony? If not, why not? Who do you need to forgive? Who do you need to seek the forgiveness of? How do you need to make manifest real love, the love of God in your life? Pray about that right now and ask God to give you the courage to do the right thing. In church, we are living hope and we are called to impact our homes, our neighbors, and every generation with the hope of Jesus. That means that we, we've got to shine as light in the darkness and be, and be salt and to change the, the taste of our culture. That means it's gonna take work. Would you right now commit to being light in your home, light in your workplace, light in your school? Would you commit yourself right now to speaking the truth in love, sharing the hope that you have, sharing your story? And if you're willing, would you, would you use that QR code and, and sign up to go tomorrow or, or next week to homes in our city and just love people and tell them that they matter and that God hasn't forgotten them and there's good news. Oh, Father, it is a blessed moment to be alive right now and to be alive in Christ Jesus because we, we have the privilege to serve you, to experience you, and, and to be who you made us to be. God, enable us to take advantage of this moment, to walk in the confidence of the hope that we have in Christ Jesus and to be those who can pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven do this for your glory and our blessing. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.